This episode is sponsored by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Everyday Running Shoe, which I was lucky enough to head out to Barcelona and see being unveiled at its launch and to chat to athletes like Sharon Nakidi, who won the New York Marathon a few years ago, who does all of her easy and steady runs in this pair of shoes. And then we've set Jess from The Running Channel a very specific challenge to train for 12 weeks for her fastest, hopefully, ever 10K, which is also back out in Barcelona. Yeah, she is loving training in this shoe. And I think it's important as well because we're so lucky we get to test lots of different shoes. But we do know that some people just want that one pair that will do everything. So Jess has been doing her long runs, interval sessions, and she will be tackling the final 10K in the Under Armour Infinite Elite shoes. Yeah, big focus on endurance and a brand new foam, which provides extra energy return and looks after you on even your longest runs. So if you want to know more, head to the link in the show notes. I'm Sarah. I'm still a pretty average runner, to be honest. I'm trying to get better over every single distance that will have me and just trying to improve day on day. And you lost a minute over 5k the other day. Mm. It's gone somewhere. It's disappeared into the... uh... It's gone the other way, not the good minute. The minute's gone the other way. I'm blaming mud. I'm blaming cold. Yeah. And also the fact that I'm not in 5k training. So, of course, I'm not going to be in PB shape. Lots of excuses. And I'm Andy Badley, a retired professional athlete from a former life. And now I guess I just talk about running with you guys. And I'm Rick Kelsey. I'm a post-osteotomy patient with a drop foot who's stupidly trying to run faster than he's ever run before. And this is the Running Channel podcast. Yes, and what are we going to be talking about today? We are going to be talking about how you ran in the Olympic final with a heart condition. Yes, it's all about me. Very exciting. <laughs> it's all about you this <laughs> who week. Who came up with this bit? Sarah's idea. But yeah, we should get stuck in and uh, we catch don't up need with our Sarah. week in running. We don't need us. We don't need us no, this week. is just an Andy Bradley monologue. It's not a monologue. No one Sit back, that. relax. Enjoy the flight. <laughs> so, before we get into you, how hmm. are you? Before we get into me, how am I? Well, we're going to talk about a very specific part of my career, mm-hmm. but right now it's marathon time, very nearly. So, at the point of recording this, it's less than four weeks now until D Day or M Day. Should we call it M Day? Mm. Does anyone call it M Day? That sounds a bit too cool, but yeah, okay, let's go M Day. Yeah, and and Sarah accompanied me last week on my long, the longest run I've ever done. Oh, Rick, in in my life, you should have seen him. Oh, Oh, really? (laughs) Thirty-two, thirty-two kilometers, twenty miles of pure joy watching Andy crumble (laughs) into a shell of him for his former self. Was he a mess? Did you? Did we film this somewhere? Yeah, of course we filmed it. We filmed everything. So I would like to say that Pete, you've said this to me before. Like, oh, Sarah, well done on your run. It was really hard. But actually, I had to cycle a bike. Or like, oh, Sarah, well done on your PB. It was really hard. I ran alongside you as well. Yeah. Andy, well done on your long run. Yeah, well done. Thank you. The next time I let you plan a route, (laughs) I am going to double check it for the elevation. (laughs) Because, yes, I was on an electric bike. Yes, you were. But, wow, that electric bike failed me on all the hills. (laughs) Yeah, I I did look at afterwards and um, it was over 300 metres of elevation. Um, And every single metre, picture me stood up on an electric bike with Tom filming on sat on the back of this bike. Yes, we've got a cargo bike, so it should be enough to carry that kind of uh, cargo if we're going to call it. It's not here, we can call Tom the cargo, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone saw just two people in high vis or on a random day on yeah. a bike struggling mm. that was us I mean it was our own fault we didn't pump the tyres up enough well I was I was struggling too and you're right I did crumble because I spent the first at least half of the run I felt and actually beyond 20k I felt great and mm. I was chatting away to you guys making terrible jokes all of the stuff that you at expect at 20k yeah I think so I think it's still 20k it's still quite perky 
Yeah. What, and then you just fell off a cliff. 30k, you were a little less perky. I was, I was yeah. swearing and all sorts, I think. <laughs> so we went past two signs. This won't make it into the video because <laughs> no. of what you said. We went past two signs, which were the, you know, the like speed check signs for if you drive into a oh, village yeah, yeah. and it's like, smiley face. Yeah. 10 miles an hour. I was all excited that it was registered, earlier in the run it registered at nine miles an hour. And then mm -hmm. as we were going down this hill towards the end and I'd flagged to the guys, let's film this, it's really cool. I was going along at around 10 miles an hour and that's what it registered at, very proud of myself. And then the, the Tom and Sarah cycled ahead of me, sped up down the hill in order to get the right shot. And then obviously the speed camera picked up their speed. So then I was just, said I, I just like shout quite abusive. 15 miles an yeah, yeah. hour. <laughs> but so I said, so Tom, when I'm on the bike, I do whatever Tom says because yeah, like yeah, yeah. to get whatever shot that he needs. And he was like, speed up, speed up. We're going to get this shot. Yeah. And, I, and in my head, I was, but bearing in mind, this is like two hours in. I'm yeah. a bit cold. I'm a bit tired. I've worked just as hard as Andy. No, that's not true. So, yeah, I, was, not so true. I was like, okay, right, we'll cycle ahead. And then I was like, hang on a second. The speed's going to register wrong. And then it was too late. We were already past it. Oh, Whilst no I was idea. shouting into both the GoPro that I was holding and towards um, <laughs> expletives that won't make the cut about how that's only going to be registering your speed, you beep, beep, I beep, had beep. no idea those cameras picked up humans. Yeah. Yeah, they do, yeah. You just got to run in the road. No, I was running on the pavement. No. It picks you. As long as there's no, there wasn't, it was a really quiet road, so there was no other traffic other than these idiots on a bike. That well, unless it was picking yeah. up, because we were matching your speed. Yeah. So then at least it would have registered the right speed. Maybe that you I going. was going that fast. But yes, you're right. I did crumble and just, I guess... Uh, what was lovely is we on Strava, our activities came up as like that we did it together. Yeah. Um, yours as a cycle and my, me as a, as a run. And I got lots of lovely support on Strava. So those of you that are seeking out those activities and, and kind of getting in touch with me that way, I do really appreciate mm. it. I've been feeling the love. Thank you very much. But also I saw Sarah getting some love. Some people who were like, oh, I can't wait. This is so cool like, that, that it's Sarah riding and Andy, Andy running. But there was a few people who were like, Sarah, why aren't you running? <laughs> I was like, honestly, when the day comes that I can bash out 32K in under three hours, yeah. I will let you know, but I am not there yet. Looking forward um, to it. But I, you guys were carrying my water bottle yeah. and I... It just, I'm just not used to having to worry about, I guess, you guys as well. The idea was I just obviously get on with my run and I don't yeah. think about it. Mm. But because I was conscious of the route and, and you guys on the bike and it is a distraction, I was being quite militant with my gels. Uh, but then all of a sudden it was 21K and I hadn't had anything to drink. Um, and that was, I suppose, better to learn this lesson in your longest run. That was yeah. a bit of a disaster. And I did start getting cramp from about 24, 25K onwards. I don't know whether it's hydration related. Um, it was definitely fatigue related. Um, and then the only thing that's, I did the 30K a few weeks ago and finished that feeling super confident about the marathon distance. Mm. And then this 32K, I tried to run it a bit quicker. I messed up the hydration um, and I just started to get niggles and they must've been associated with the cramp, but this is the first time I've had recurring knee pain from, from my previous injury for the last five or six K and, and like, it just, that's terrified me now with four weeks to go. I'm really yeah. worried about it. So it's um, really not my confidence. I think you've got it. You've got it. Mm. It's like they say in theatre, bad dress rehearsal, good performance. Exactly. Oh, that's, and he wouldn't that, know anything about theatre though. <clears throat> it wasn't yeah, really his forte. Think of it, no, it definitely wasn't. That no. was, you, were the, you were the one man show um, expert at school. I seem yeah. to remember you doing an incredible performance. Yeah, I think performance. I did a, 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 a rendition of Usher. Yeah, you did. Girl, you make me wanna. Girl, you make me wanna. Yeah, yeah. I remember it vividly. Cartwheels oh, across the stage. I never, ever yeah. want to see video evidence of that. Yeah, probably, probably for the best. <laughs> but <laughs> you're, you're close. And now you get to taper winning. Well, nearly, yeah. A couple more weeks uh, and then it'll be into the true taper, I guess. But it's, um, 
made it very, very real. I'm really excited to do it, but also now just, I know I've been saying I'm nervous and it might sound like it's nonsense because of the, the level I've competed at, but it's, this is a complete unknown for me. And then I'm not helped by the fact that I just got sent by a good friend of mine, actually, a video of um, Adam Kashot, who's a, a Polish retired 800 meter runner. Oh yeah. Um, running his first ever marathon at the New York Marathon and like broadly collapsing within a few hundred meters of the finish line and, and uh, from fatigue. What, he didn't make it? I think he did cross the line eventually. He got some help from some of the runners that passed oh him, which is amazing. But yeah, that didn't, didn't make me feel good. Hey about Andy, that will make an it. incredible video if that does happen. That was your response, wasn't That's it? When you, you saw it, it was like, well, if that happens to you Andy, fact, film you, it. You, you failing <laughs> to complete the marathon almost would be a better video. Yeah. Hey guys, no, that's not that's not the uh, the kind of pep talk that I was looking for. It's all right, try, but at least try. you know, Just either way, we'll yeah. put it on either YouTube. way, whether to support you. <laughs> it was too hilly, messed up my drinks, yeah. really nervous, but given we're gonna spend the whole episode talking about me and, and heart condition and all that's this true. other stuff, how are you guys been? Yeah, doing let's move running? on. Rick, how's your running been? I have I now understand what a fair weather runner is. <laughs> is that you? The weather was apocalyptic at the weekend mm, and yeah. you know it's 7 30 you've been up for an hour with the kids you're like oh, an hour and a half to park run uh should i do it yeah oh it's eight o'clock probably still gonna do it 8 30 well i gotta make a decision now went out under 100 runners really oh, wow. and it's usually a few hundred there, right? so was it raining or was it just boggy it was absolutely chucking it down if you think about that and, and my park run averages just under 200 normally so does that mean <laughs> question 50 50 that 50% of runners are fair weather runners. Well, well, you say that. I did a park run this weekend. I think there was something like 800, no, maybe 500 people running. Big wow, park run. Yeah, it's a big one, yeah. And I always look at like all of the information afterwards and there was a good like 100 first timers there. And I was like, that is even more impressive. Yeah. If, or maybe the beauty of like being naive to the whole thing. If your first park run is, because it was boggy, like it was proper kind of cross country running. Mm. So if that was your first park run and you're like, oh my gosh, is a 5K every Saturday morning going to be this muddy? No, but probably yes until about March in the UK. Yeah, it is. Once it gets wet, it doesn't really dry out, does it? No. But how many do you normally get on a Saturday at your park run? Good, like 800 yeah. to 1,000. Okay, so you, so you lost 30%. Yeah. We lost I, I think that's... By by the same rules of statistics that you've just thrown at me there, that your your sample of one, that yeah. fifty percent of the people have shown up when it was raining. Yeah, I would say that Sarah's roughly four times pop, as popular as you. <laughs> <laughs> if, if her park runs getting eight hundred people and yours only get two hundred, I think that's just. Oh, Sarah, Sarah advertises her park run. I didn't. I don't say where mine is. I like it. I like it to stay small. <laughs> it's a secret. It's a secret. <laughs> hey, if you want to come to Clapham Common, it's yeah. a great party round. Oh, so how yeah. did you get on then? Oh, so I decided this weekend that I was going to have a bash at some faster runs. So Saturday, I was like, right, Clapham Common Park run. It's pretty muddy. Yeah. I'm just going to go out, not look at my watch because pace will mean nothing. Just go out hard. And I went out pretty hard. And then whatever, it's a two lap. And I was like, right, okay, when I get onto the concrete, because it's half mud, half concrete, whatever pace I'm doing then, I'm just going to stick at it and like put more effort in to sustain whatever that pace feels like. Yeah. And I did pretty perfectly even splits despite the fact that I wasn't looking at my watch however like two three months ago those splits would have been around about 30 to 40 seconds quicker per one so I, I made per kilometer per kilometer what's so yeah. you, you lost two and a half minutes yeah, yeah. 
Where is it? Really? Still, so it's, in Clapham, like, it's in Clapham somewhere. It's just in the ether. No, it's in, so my PB is in Victoria Park. Okay. So there's a question around GPS accuracy okay, so on you, that one. So you were running four minutes, know, 50 a kilometre. Mud's easily No, so, yeah, I was doing like 4.45 per kilometre. Okay. I think I did one that was 4.53. That was, you know, kilometre four, slightly losing the will to live. Unsure mm. where the finish was. I'd say mud's easily worth 30 seconds a kilometre, if it's that bad. Okay, great. So if I've it's as bad as you've been going on about it anyway. You know, yeah, exactly. You made it, it was, sound like it was a bit quagmire. It yeah. wasn't. So it was muddy, but it was also <laughs> the fact that a lot of people hadn't put on trail shoes yes. and didn't want to run through puddles. Yeah. Although I was listening to oh, another. Adding distance. Yes. Yeah, so, no, cutting distance Cutting off. distance. So you go oh. under the trees, like through all of the mud, yourself. and yep. then all of the people are going onto the grass. Uh, and I was like, one, you're going to ruin the grass. Two, well, just get in the mud, jump in a puddle. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Get in the mud, jump in the puddle. However, that 10K that we all did recently down in the New Forest, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. there was an option of routes that you could take as a runner. Oh, as you went through it across a, a, as a you ford, went through basically. A ford. Yeah. So you could, you could take the dry route or the wet route. Yeah. And it's like, so you could go up and over a bridge over this, the yeah. river. Or, Ooh, over the or you could but, go down. Yeah, but I mean, it was a tiny thing, but. Uh, well, it's not when you're absolutely knackered. Personally, yeah, I would always vote go through the mud. I agree. And I heard I someone else actually saying like, if you're doing a proper like trail race in the mm. mountains, please go through. Mm. If it's like a bog or a puddle, go through the puddle because um, if you go on the dry bits, you're just eventually eroding just more and making yeah. the yeah. puddle bigger. Well, there's a lot of yeah. choices you've got to make about what case. you've got to go through in life. And one thing that Andy had to go through in life was an Olympic final with a heart condition. Oh, the segue. Oh, we're just on that segue, Rick, because that was so polished and professional. I've got one little note that I had for the podcast today. Oh, yeah, which is, as I was leaving the house this morning, my lovely mother-in-law came to help with the children today and, and various like childcare and so on. Yeah, it's a and busy day for her. She asked, she is, yeah, there's so many of them. <laughs> and she, um, she's just had one of those yeah. number <laughs> clickers clicker. to get in, all the kids in, onto in. She's putting one out in there fluorescent tablets. 25, 26, 27. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. See, this leads out. very nicely into what she said to me. I said, oh, she said, what have you got on the schedule today? I said, oh, I'm recording the podcast. I'm really excited mm. about that. And she just said, apropos of nothing, leave poor Rick alone. I think he's done really well. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to buy her a new clicker so I thought one she definitely doesn't listen to enough of the podcast because I feel like I'm the one that gets the abuse all of the time and two I don't know what she's on about you have not done really well at anything no I'm joking hey. <laughs> he's, at he's at it again oh, alright I'm clearly joking enough of that on with your heart condition yes yeah what do you want to know I guess so this is this for, for context yeah I did run and still have a, a an ongoing heart condition that, that only came to light because I was competing and I was lucky enough to have the support of the British Olympic Association, my kind of medical insurance and CRY, the, the charity that supports young people, which I don't think I'd qualify for anymore, but with, with heart conditions to try and make sure you get the right diagnosis so that you know that you can exercise healthily. So I had to go through that process. Actually, when it first happened, I had to stop running for a couple of months other than on these controlled circumstances uh, where they were like strapping electrodes to my chest and all that sort of stuff to, to read the ECG, ECG readings to to work out what the problem was and then give me the kind of all clear to compete. So let's start right back before you knew you had it. What yeah. were the kind of first signs of this condition? I definitely had an episode when I was at university uh, in my first or second year where I just felt like my whole, all of a sudden it felt like my heart was beating really high up in my chest is the way I could describe it. Mm. Um, but then it, it felt like my whole body was beating. 
So it was, it was heart palpitations, basically. So I had to go and have a lie down and I could just feel my whole body pulsing, but not, okay. in, the, not in the kind of boom, 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 like yeah. classic and it, it, it wasn't like you'd had a night on the Gavi. It was like, <laughs> no. you know, it was no. something that <laughs> oh, felt serious. And another little aside there for you, Rick, you'll like this very much. So behind the scenes at the Running Channel, another little anecdote this morning from Elliot at the Running Channel. He just goes, Elliot, he bought his mum a, a bottle of Gavi as a gift and she, <laughs> and she, and she loved it. Oh so. gosh, it's going around. Yes. <laughs> but uh, no, it wasn't alcohol related, yeah. um, despite being at university. It wasn't a real heartbeat. Like it was really irregular. It wasn't that consistent, regular double beat. It was, it was really... Uh, irregular and I, I had a heart rate monitor strap I put that on at the time I remember I guess I was a keen enough runner to yeah. bother doing that put that on and my heart rate was registering was like 250 um, because it wasn't a real regular rhythm um, and then it uh, I think I, I spoke to a doctor and, and um, but then it subsided and then it didn't happen again for another couple of years that was it and so at that point I had a few tests done but nothing nothing massive and did right. it happen when you were like, did it happen during a track session? No, that was just literally, I think I'd stood up from dinner. Like it wasn't a... Um... Oh, so it wasn't sport related <laughs> that. at that point. Yeah. Training yeah, yeah. for the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. When did you notice? Just stood up. Honestly, this was, this was yeah, first, first or second year at university when I was a good runner, but not that serious and hadn't achieved you know, yeah. particularly fast things. And then in my, it was in my final year at university when Andy, who ended up coaching me throughout my whole career, had started coaching me. Uh, I remember going to a track session with him over at the Luton track, I think. Um, and there was two of us training together or three of us. And I got halfway around a, a rep and just felt like I was going to pass out. And I could feel this tightness in my chest and my like left arm, you know, kind of classic, what I understand would be heart attack type symptoms. Well, wow, that's mm -hmm. scary. Uh, it was scary. Yeah. And then I stopped running and lay down on the track trying to get it kind of under control with my breathing yeah. or whatever. And it was still, still going. And I could, again, I felt really lightheaded, very weak because the heartbeats themselves weren't doing what they needed to do, which is get enough yeah. blood and oxygen around my body. And then Andy came running up to me and he's like, you're right, you're right, is it your legs? Is it like he thought I'd pull the hamstring or something? And I was like, no, no, it's my heart. And he's like, oh, okay then. <laughs> <laughs> he, I think he was relieved that it was my heart, not that I'd like pull the so muscle. Did you go to hospital? Yeah, I did, I went to hospital. But by the time I got there and got through the triage and all that sort of stuff, it returned to normal and they couldn't catch anything on their machines. Um, which is why you got the matchbox inserted in under your skin. Yeah, so Rick has some insider knowledge here. Sarah yeah. didn't know me when this was a this was a thing, but yes, I had a I went through a whole battery of tests again at yeah. the Olympic Institute where they couldn't replicate it. But in order to be able to kind of give me the all clear to just train, tell them to uh, give you a plate of dinner, just ask you to stand yeah, up. Yeah, just stand up. That's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be enough now. That would be enough nowadays. Um, so then, yeah, I had to run on the treadmill in all these different conditions with different electrodes on and stuff, and, and nothing would do it. So then they ended up going for this uh, implant, implant called a reveal device, which was uh, implanted underneath my skin in my chest, like just underneath my collarbone. That, it wasn't, it didn't have any wires or anything in it. It was a totally self-contained little, I've actually still got it somewhere, little USB stick it looked like. That could record my heartbeat. Um, and it was recording it constantly, but it would just delete itself every 12 hours or whatever. Okay, but you had that in for years, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And I had a separate little clicker for it where if I had an episode, I'd press that clicker and then it would save the previous 30 minutes of... Oh, of, I see. Like so, recording. So, so you then had an episode and then clicked it. Yeah. So then and it, you it, then it would save you. that as a file. I see. And then I could go into the hospital and they would put this little pad on my chest to read the data. And then mm. the cardiologist could see that the rhythm that was traced out by my Okay. So heartbeat. what what did that rhythm show? So it showed that I had something called AV node reentrant tachycardia. Yes. So no one's going to remember that. No. It's hard enough for me to remember it just now. AV node. So the, the atrium and the ventricle are the two parts of the heart. Right. So the node between them is called the AV node. And that Broadly, like it's an electrical conductor that tells each half of the heart to beat when it should. 
So it goes boom, 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 boom. Okay. That's the two halves of the heart beating. And that should work like a one-way street. So it should be electrical impulses going from one to the other saying, this half has had a beat, this one should now beat. And then it repeats itself. Mm -hmm. But mine works like a roundabout under certain conditions. So the electrical impulses kind of go back on themselves and tell the first half of the heart to beat when the second one is still beating. And so then you get this kind of like really irregular heartbeat. That's exactly what it sounded like, by the way. Right. That was, a, uh, that was a, an expert recreation. But only at times, not at all times, yeah. just at certain moments. And it would yeah. often be times when I was run down or stressed. Interesting. Um, okay. Nervous. I was nervous a lot for races and things like that. Um, and then from that diagnosis, I was told that there were various different options, which was ablation. So they, they could laser ablate part of the heart tissue to like burn it away basically to stop yeah. conducting but that's has a risk because if they ablate the wrong part of your heart then you need a pacemaker um or you can take drugs which i don't want to do because there's all sorts of stuff on the ban list um or just carry on as long as it's not life threatening which they said it wasn't um and it wasn't changing my quality of life which again it wasn't because okay. even during the height of my career it was probably only a few episodes every few months okay um, so you went for option c yes do nothing and just okay. crack on and, um, and when did you have the matchbox slash xylophone removed from your chest? I think we might have talked about this on the podcast as being a classic Andy move, which was that like I didn't have it. I had like two or three year battery life, this thing. And I had it in for about 10 years. Um, oh my God. Because yeah, yeah. it got to the end of every season and you'd finish the season in, or I would finish the season usually mid-September, that kind of time, yeah. after championships, Olympics, world champs. And then you'd ha I'd only have two weeks off. And then I'd want to start building back up again for the cross country season. And so every year I was like, by the time I'd think about doing yeah. it, you then hit a waiting list and, and then you'd get maybe an I appointment see. for like January, which was, I would have been back fully into But you've been again. with Louise since you were a teenager. So it's not like anyone else is going to see it. Hey, I think she quite liked it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I have absolutely no idea whether she did. Um, How big was it? Did it like it, it was, it was if like, you were wearing a t-shirt, did it just look like you had a weird... Yeah. Like pin badge on the I, I remember just, I remember always tapping it, just checking yes, it was you did. still <laughs> working. I loved that, mate. That was really nice of you. No worries. Um, yeah. um, still working? Yep. Yeah. Still in there? It was about the size of a, a um, what I would think of as traditional old school USB dongle or USB stick that you would stick into the side of a See, computer. I, as a child, had a USB stick because yeah. you had to for ITC. Yeah, I had a floppy ICT? disk. ITC. One of them. Internet, ICT, I think. ICT. Something in communications technology, right? And my USB stick was in the shape of a VW Beetle. So um, I'm guessing it wasn't quite like that. No, it was the it was your classic. It looked like a, a, a what I would think of a standard sized eraser that you used at school. Yes. Pencil eraser. A what? A rubber. A rubber? What? Don't you just use an iPad? Oh, stop oh. it. You're, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, no I'm not having this. I'm, I'm having joking. This. Don't worry. I've yeah, got Yeah, we were chiseling into our, our clay tablets yeah. when we were uh, at school. <laughs> or uh, a different kind of tablet, just <laughs> slate. <laughs> with, with nice. Just carving the wood. So you had that. So you've been retired a couple of years now. Yeah. Did you have that taken out since you retired? Yes. You had that taken out. Right. Imagine if he still had it. In. I know. Nope. I've got still it on though. the Should I bring it in on the Should we just Yeah, maybe bring it in. Yeah, bring it in. Yeah, did you clean it? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't really. Yeah, I must have. They must have cleaned it. It must have been sterile so in some way. Was it? A, was it general oh, okay. anaesthetic to take it out? No, it was local. Local. Um, it wasn't that sort of deeply inserted. But yeah, right. I guess the point here is I've had loads of athletes get in touch with me over the last ten years because I'd had this experience, and it is fairly terrifying. Like it's it, it, it was a brief period where I thought like this thing that I loved was going to get taken away from me completely, mm. so that I wouldn't. And 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 it, this happened when I was just trying to break through into the the ideas of making international teams, let alone this idea of going to the Olympics. But yes, I mm. did end up running in the Olympic final, world champs final, Europeans, Commonwealths with this thing 
in my chest. And was it when you got to a stage of competition like that, you were literally on a world stage, mm. was it still like at the forefront of your mind? Like, did you just have every single competition you went to where you're like, right, if this happens, this is the protocol? No, I, I hardly thought about it at all. But then I used to get reminded, reminded about it by journalists. And it's interesting, I think, the role that stuff like that can play inadvertently in your psychology. Oh, I see. Like people ask something that it's quite a nice question. And you oh, weren't worried, but then you become yeah, worried. Yeah, yeah. So like, they're like, yeah. how's that thing that you've done your best to put to the back of your mind? And then you're just years? like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then your heart can start going. And these, so some yeah. of it's psychosomatic, I think. But mm. um, hopefully it's, you know, it, it's been something that I've managed yeah. to come through both psychologically and have the assurance from medical professionals that I can carry on. Uh, but also it's, it highlights the importance of getting checked out when you have any kind of unusual symptoms when you're running yeah well the best thing is just to be safe and like yeah. get the advice ultimately you didn't you chose to do nothing but you had that choice which is the main thing yeah, rather than just like ignoring the problem it was an informed medical choice yeah. and and also it i hope shows that like that i actually don't think of it as as being massive adversity that i necessarily had to deal with but when i speak to people about it they they either took inspiration from it or um, just were interested in that challenge that you might face. Mm. So something unusual, an unusual one. And uh, definitely got pictures and, and the actual thing that I could bring in and show people. So I have two more questions. Yeah. One, did it ever happen within a competition? No. And two, does it still happen now? Or maybe like once a year, I might get a very small symptom. But I, I can, there's something called, I think it's called the Valsalvo maneuver where you can, um, I could have that wrong, but where you, you compress your own chest by essentially breathing in. And then imagine using that extra kind of pressure in your chest cavity to squeeze all of your organs um just just by breathing yeah like yeah it's all yeah sarah's pulling that face yeah, rick and, rick and sarah face. both pulling the face that you would pull when you try and do it and that can that quite trying successful. to hug yourself but no but just yeah. using using the pressure of the air inside your lungs to okay. to squeeze your your organs almost right so it's kind of that like yeah almost like trying to go to the toilet i suppose that kind of pressure um but then that that would can sometimes it has worked quite successfully to me to reset the rhythm so if we see you pulling that face in valencia then i'm either doing a poo you're not about to poo yourself like yeah. one or it's yeah, one a 50, or the other 50 chance yeah right okay yeah. good and good. thanks for answering sarah's two questions in rapid fashion yes because rick was trying to wrap me up so oh sorry go. was he doing his little he's doing his little symbol giving yeah. you my signals. His little hand movement sorry well that was very interesting thank you andy Pleasure. This is the Running Channel podcast. Up next, we've got new stories to discuss. Plus, it's almost time for our favourite bit, answering your questions. Don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Shoes. Now, at the Running Channel, we bang on all the time about how if you want to run fast, you need to run slow. I'm talking about the 80-20 rule. Yes, you need to do the vast majority of your training at an easier or steadier pace. And you need an everyday pair of running shoes that you trust to do that. And the Infinite Elite has brand new cushioning technology in the form of Under Armour's Hover Plus. So that's designed to support you for the whole of even your longest runs with extra cushioning and energy return. So that's what this is all about. Yeah, and if you want to check out the Under Armour Infinite Elite, head to the link in the show notes. Okay, news time. New York. New York, New York. Yes, it's another major marathon. So it's, uh, I know Valencia, which I'm doing, is basically the end of the autumn winter marathons. But New York's obviously a pretty big pinnacle. Oh, and it looked so good at the weekend. Two of our own were out there. Anna was there supporting. And Mo ran New York marathon. Yeah, just cruised well around it with a friend, I think. Yeah, excellent work. Well done, Mo. Yeah, um, there were some course records, I think, in the men's race as well. Mm -hmm. So the course records, because it's a tradition, I think the course record now stands at 204 or something. Yes. And you compare that to Kiptum's um, now two under 201. 
for his yeah. world record. Like that shows how tough the course is. And I, I've been there supporting New York Marathon and run the, the last section in, in Central Park. And that is rolling constantly. So it's, oh, it's okay. a tough finish to So basically yeah, it's it looks hilly. hilly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. hilly. But well done to everyone that took part. Yes, yeah, we'd love to hear your story. So email in at podcast.themorningchannel.com if you've got anything interesting to tell us uh, from your race experiences. And now time for your questions. Rick. Hi. This is where I get to talk out loud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but only after you've uh, very pointedly waited for Sarah to introduce you. <laughs> <laughs> she does that nowadays. Um, Chase from Columbia, Tennessee, USA. Thank Ooh. you, Chase. Oh, Thank I love you. this, yeah. This is just straight down the barrel of a question. So yep. brace yourselves, you Boom. two. Yeah. How do you train to go deeper into the pain cave slash red line when running? Oh, I need this. I mean- Andy, how do you do it? I think, so this is, I bang on about it, but it's one of the things that sets, often sets the elite athletes apart from non-elites. You get a lot of people, I've always had people come up to me and say, oh, it's easy for you, you're fast. <laughs> like it's, oh, e it's easy for you, you're a faster yeah. runner. And I, my, I wouldn't necessarily always be as stark as this, but I'm always like, well, I don't think it is. Like it's, it's easier for me to run fast, but I would argue that, and this is always something that's fascinated me. I'd love to be able to be inside someone else's body or head yeah. and feel and experience exactly what they feel. Cause you never can, right? You've got no idea what your, but I think what I think of as my 10 out of 10 effort is quite likely to be harder than what Sarah thinks of as her 10 out of 10 effort. Yeah. Because I, I have had don't... more experience of going to my literal point of exhaustion, collapsing afterwards, being sick, like like getting to yeah. having to an abandon a, a training session halfway through because I've gone too hard too early and I've literally got nothing left. Because it's your life. This is what exactly this yeah, is what I think yeah. the difference is though, is that I think people who have found it have like quote unquote failed on the way to finding yes. it. So I think that is, that for me is like, I think I am one step closer because I've tried to find it and haven't mm. found it yet. Yeah. So I would actually say like a great way to train to go deeper is to put yourself in a situation where if you're fearing like, oh, I might not be able to finish the session yeah. or I might not be able to get back to my house by the end of this run, like going actually going yeah. to a track and not giving yourself the option to not finish the rest of it, but just experimenting with like, can you actually complete this session? Yeah. Like will help you find that red yeah. line. Do a session that you've done before. Doesn't matter what distance you're training for and repeat it. Same recoveries, but then either do it in two ways. Just fractionally increase the pace of each of the efforts. Just do that workout. And if you get to say 80, 90% of it and you kind of almost having to like take an extra recovery, or, or abandon altogether, then your body's learned something and you've found, you're much closer to finding that red line. And the mm -hmm. reason I'm saying do something you've done before and only increase it a fractional percent is you're not looking to leap and double what you do or make it twice as hard or anything. That's just stupid and you will get hurt. So yeah. you don't want to like- Incremental gains. Exactly, it's, in, it's incremental. Or, Chunking it. Yes, breaking it down into steps to see if you can get closer yeah. to that red yeah. line. Or if you've got, say it's eight by a K or it doesn't actually matter what the workout is, pick, in that specific session, I'm giving it as an example, yeah. pick the sixth or the seventh effort. So do all of them at the same pace as you've completed that session at before. Pick the sixth or the seventh effort and go really hard. Mm. Like, like, you know, a significant, like just what feels like flat out. Not yeah. like sprinting flat out, but flat mm. out for a kilometer. And, and, and then see if you can finish the session. So see if you can do the seventh and eighth rep or the eighth rep, depending on which one you've gone really hard at. Because that's and, also the moment in a race where you need to like, 
Exactly. That's the, the most yeah. amount of effort you, you need in a race. You can simulate it. And every time that I've done that, and my coach has forced me to do that in the past, I don't feel like I can do it. And then he gets me to do the sixth effort out of eight much harder than I really want to or think I can do. I finish it, take the same recoveries I've taken before, maybe slightly longer. And then I finish reps seven and eight at the same pace that I did reps one to five. And mm. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, there was more in the tank and I didn't know. And you can't find it by doing it on the last rep. So that's no. cheating. You've got yeah, to do you it to, where you've still you got to start the workout to do yeah, it. Sneakily unlock yeah. it. Yeah, uh, it's a good one. Real good one. Right, moving on to Dave from Pembrokeshire. I've seen my incredible wife do regular half marathons and recently she did astonishingly well and smashed the London Marathon too. I'm having trouble seeing a half as an accomplishment, more like something I should be able to do. So the marathon is alluring me like a cruel siren. Fantastic, oh, I feel your pain, Dave. Dave. Yeah. I don't know whether mine was alluring, but I've been forced into it, so I'm with you. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> my only issue is I'm not really enjoying the long runs of my half training. I thoroughly enjoy getting out anything up to nine miles, and my sprints are fun too, but I'm finding the last few runs of 11 and 12 a bit of a slog. How can I get through it? I, you, need Sarah, you need Sarah on the bike with giving you absolutely yeah. zero personality or banter. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I had for 21k. Hey, I had Tom on the back of my bike giving me absolutely zero personality yeah, or true, banter. It? Yeah, I, it's I was, just passed Yeah, on. I was chatting away to you guys and getting nothing in return. Isn't this funny? Isn't this beautiful? These are the fields that I like to stop and stare at. And I uh, got nothing. Oh yeah, I saw them right. They're actually pretty good. Oh yeah? The fields, yeah. Beautiful. 10 out of 10 oh, fields. Oh, beautiful. It's good to know what he's talking about. So yeah. essentially, Dave is talking about is a full marathon a stupid idea for him then? Here's what I think is going to happen, Dave. I think you're going to start training for a full marathon and run, you know, 15, 16 miles in training. And then you're going to fondly look back on those 11 and 12 miles runs that you currently hate. Mm. That's personally yeah. what, what I found. I think you need to start to, what can you do to those 11 and 12 miles runs to make them a little bit more fun? Can you listen to a good podcast, plan a good route, switch it up a little bit? Switch Is it, it the up, fact that routes. you're yeah. yeah, you're doing one pace the whole time? Could you throw in a bit of, you know, easy 2K, then do a couple of K, which is a bit yeah. harder. Mix it up a little bit. But Go with someone else. Go with someone else. Go yeah. with your wife. I totally get this though. The psychology of like seeing his amazing wife do, do, do these things and making them look easy. Like uh, mm. as much as we joke, that's why I'm surrounded by the running channel. And you guys have been knocking out marathons for fun. Mm. And then I start yeah. to think less of what I might go and achieve because you guys seem to find it so easy that yeah, I, yeah, I totally get yeah. it. it. It takes away the, he's like, would have seen the half as like this big challenge. And then now because he knows people doing full marathons, it's, it's like, yeah. it's, it's different. Um, but I'm totally with Sarah. I think even we'll listen, we should listen back to episodes of this podcast before I started the proper marathon block. The idea of those long runs was, it's still, I still don't like them. But I am looking back on those 11, 12 mile runs and being like, oh, that, that, like I get to that point now in my long runs and that, that, that I don't even think about that point. I'm just thinking about once it gets hard later on. Mm. But that only happens through this incremental progress over like week on week, just doing a little bit more yeah. um, and not really thinking too far ahead. Yeah, and there's a guy in our office who just like knocks out a marathon before breakfast. So I understand what that you're coming in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think James. we're in. <laughs> It's absolutely not me. <laughs> it's not me either. But yeah, I feel like it doesn't, you're not going to enjoy every section of every run is what I would say. Yeah. Like I, I used to, when I was like in marathon training, even when I was in 5k training, cause I was trying to maintain fitness every single Sunday, I would do 10 miles, but like granted if I was yeah. okay. Yesterday I went out and I'm trying to build mileage back up again after Chicago. And I did 13 and a half kilometers 
And I was so happy with that yeah. because like that is the longest I've run in a few weeks. And I was like, okay, that actually feels really good. That mm. is like eight, almost nine miles. You yeah, can't do think, the maths. But like, I think you have to put it into context and also whatever you do, that is the first time that you've done that. doesn't matter what yeah. anyone else has done. If you run a marathon, you're still in the 1% club. you know what, you're right, exactly. And be grateful you've got the time. I have two children under three. There is no way I have time to run 12 miles <laughs> on a Sunday. You, you just keep flying, you keep flying your in-laws over to do childcare, mate. You, you don't, don't give me this. It's, it's quite expensive childcare, that I tell so you hard. what, Dave, dedicate miles 11 and 12 to Rick. Oh, thanks, Dave. Yeah, because <laughs> Tell us how you're getting on. Yeah. Because in the words of my mother-in-law, he's doing really well. Oh. He is doing really what's, well. What's her name? Anne. Anne. Yes. Anne, thank you so much. A lot of love goes oh, out to you this week. We'll see you next week. But before we go, Sarah's got a favour to ask. I have got a favour to what's ask. What's it going to be this time? This time, because we haven't plugged it yet, I would like every single person watching, listening, however you digest your podcast, to email into podcast at therunningchannel.com with a question that you don't think we know the answer to. Ooh. And Andy will research it. <laughs> well, it's a good job I'll be the one researching it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as long as it's not to do with maths or percentages or yeah. running, I'll, I'll, I'll be all over it. Yeah, 50% of the time, Sarah is right every time. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Just trying to work Don't out. even understand that <laughs> yeah, joke. Yeah. But anyway, we'll be back next week. Email in podcast at therunningchannel.com and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Everyday Running Shoe, which has a focus on both comfort and endurance. So an ultra springy, responsive feel that protects your legs and keeps them feeling fresh, which is what Jess has been putting to the test as she's been training for over the last 12 weeks for taking on her ultimate ever 10K. And she's been focused on consistency. So being able to show up with those fresh legs every day and every week in order to put in the work and the recovery that she needs to do to run her best. If you want to check out the Under Armour Infinite Elite, head to the link in the show notes.